Sometime in the 1870s, in the frozen wilderness somewhere between Georgia and Russia, what could have been one of the greatest anthropological discoveries of all time was discovered. Small villages in the area all whispered about a prehistoric ape woman living in the forest. Could she have been the missing link? Could she have just been misidentified? You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the story of Xana. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, Coach, it's been a minute. How? Right. Okay, well, I'm just going to put this out there, you know, because you got a lot of editing to do with that opening. But anthropological is not nice to you today. No, it's not. But I'm not, I'm just going to say I am not drinking beer today. I'm not. Well, it that is just top a 11.20, so. was a bang energy drink. Because if you listen to this podcast and you say to yourself, man, that dude sounds drunk. I ain't drunk. I just ain't slept in two days. It's freaking miserable. Do you know what the the one thing that's more miserable than not sleeping? No, I can't right now unless it's mouth oral surgery. Is taking prescriptions, uh, Seroquel, prescription trazodone, and over the counter melatonin, and still not sleeping. Oh, that's not good. It's not reality. No, like, it's not. It does, that no, should work. Nothing feels like real right now. You know what I'm saying? kind of feels like I'm almost dreaming, but I'm not. I know that I'm awake, but everything just seems off. Oft. It's oft? O-F-T. Oft. So, we could make up something, say we're drinking some Russian beer, but we're not. I'm drinking bang energy drink. I don't know what you're, it looks like you're drinking water. Because it is. It's 11. It's 11.24 on Thursday morning. We both should be at work, but we're not. Don't so, you tell nobody. So yeah, screw it, man. Let's get into it. Well, do we got anything? Yes, we have a new patron. Hell Her name yeah. is Samantha Zazinski. She is from the great state of Texas. The stars at night. Deep in the heart of Texas. I didn't skip the second part. Because I just wanted to do the deep part. Of, no, I'm not okay, doing the second part. I'll do the second part too then. Okay, then go. Do you want to do the first part? No, I don't want to. So, we we going to edit this out? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, the stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. Yeah, you did it better. I, I guess. You. I really hate you. Though. We got a five-star review somewhere. I'm looking for it. I can't. My fingers ain't working because I'm losing. Dexterity, dexterity after all the. So, we got a five-star review from a Sam Zaz, which is a great name. Y'all are, is that the one, our new Patreon? Probably is. Oh, okay. Awesome. Y'all are fantastic. Five stars. You guys are freaking awesome. I love every minute of your episodes. A friend introduced me to you about a week ago, and I binged nonstop. My one little issue, not complaint, is the volume. I hear great when using my headphones, but on speaker, it's very quiet compared to all the other podcasts I listen to. Well... If you can't hear me, that's not my fault. But if you can't hear both of us, you might want to choose a different app. Yeah. And we had discussed this privately, but we'll discuss it now. For some reason, if you listen to us on Spotify, the total volume is way, way down. But if you will listen to us on Good Pods, Stitcher, or CastBox, the volume is fine. But if you can't hear me, if you hear him and not me, just know he fucks with my mic <laughs> every time. I get so pissed off. I'm like, I don't even know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I literally, we got the mics marked now. My, I have a permanent mic because I'm literally mouth-fucking it right now just so you can hear me. Actually, he's not. <laughs> now he is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's... Uh, that's enough of the bull, 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 bull duty. So well, let's get into old Xana. So Xana is weird. This whole story's odd. It. I mean, well, I mean, they know what they're listening to by now. Jesus Christ. 
But no murders, no missing persons. We're kind of getting away from that for a little bit, but we'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> but this could be complete horseshit, or it could be the actual factual missing link. Yeah. And there's some History Channel shows out there that tried to do a half-assed job of searching, but it doesn't sound like they did as well as some people. So the expense, expensive, because, you know, mountain ranges, they're expensive. You just can't buy a mountain range on the street corner. The expansive mountain ranges of Russian-Mongolian wilderness have been said to hide small pockets of wild men dating back for centuries. Now, that's the eastern border of Russia. Yeah, that's not the... The where she's going to be found is on the wet and the western side. Yes, between Russia and Georgia, mm-hmm. not the great state of Georgia. No, but the country, the country of Georgia. Now their features, these wild men, are familiar to most. They come, do they? In, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, they, they range. They in got a, to if they're a breeding population. <laughs> I mean, come on. They range in a height of six feet or more, as tall as eight. They are thick, muscular bodies. They're covered entirely in what some people call reddish brown fur, not hair. What's the freaking difference? The matting, I guess. What's yeah, the I think between fur and hair. So fur, you can't see the underlying skin. The hair, you can see skin. Like I can like tell that to my ass. <laughs> I can tell it to your scalp. <laughs> I can't see your scalp, but you, you see what I'm trying to say. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> so <laughs> some of them are even white, and those are called deity. Every one of them on anything that we talk about when it comes to missing link, wild men, Sasquatch, Yetis, they all are rumored to have a putrid smell and facial features, which are both human and ape-like. Well, how could they not? Have a putrid smell if they're just covered in fur. And don't bathe right And gigantic. They're not using toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't even know if they can. We'll have to ask. I'm sure they do something. Let's call Todd, they, let's call Todd Meldrum. Todd Standing or? Jeff Meldrum. Jeff Meldrum. Jeff Meldrum. Don't yeah. sully Jeff's name. I did. Yeah, Dang. Don't, don't, don't at me. Okay. Well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> now, we all know that these Creatures are called Sasquatch or Bigfoot when you get into the North American continent. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. WSB TV just just put out no bull. PETA asked MLB to change the name of bullpen to Arm Barn. <laughs> the hypocrisy knows no bounds, oh. Wyatt. People in Russia do not call them any of such. They call them the Almasty. Or the Almasty. Almasty. Or the Almasty. If you want to say it right, but, I mean, it's up to you. You're I don't, because I really, you know, butcher the English language I'll as just, much as I, I can. I mean, I just drop in every so often. To correct my English? Yeah, okay. that's mostly what I do. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm the grammar police Grammar police, even though I couldn't spell any, I couldn't spell half the words we use. I promise you that much. Now, this is going to be actually butchered, but it's either edgy, janaba, or Edgy Ganaba. I got nothing. He is a well-known <laughs> nobleman and seafarer, and some report that he is the one that came across and captured a wild female almasty. Mm-hmm. In the 1870s, the harsh frozen wilds between Georgia and Russia was home to what could have been the greatest anthropological discovery of all time. I've heard that somewhere. Small villages in the area all talked about a prehistoric ape woman. She was well known for the sake of an armament, argument, armament. You said anthropological. And I messed up on argument. Yeah, you said anthropological so well and so smooth after it took me nine times and you can't even say argument. So Ganaba is how I'm going to pronounce it from this forward point. A frequent traveler in the region began hearing the stories about this wild almasty and was determined to find this creature for himself. So he hires a posse to help him scour the area around Okander. That's just weird. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get her for myself. I know. That's what I don't understand either. Like she's a wild woman, possibly an ape, possibly a Neanderthal, possibly anything. And you're like, I'm going to go get her. Like, I don't. 
I just I can't agree with that kind of spirit. But no, I can't either. Good for you, man. Yeah, you go get her. Like go get her. So against all odds, they find her and they apprehend her and they turn her into a prisoner in the Caucasus Mountains, the frozen, frosty Caucasus Mountains. That's David Attenborough. He's from the island of Caucasus. Now, she looked very human, but at the same time, it was very clear she was not. Surprisingly, the woman did not take too kindly to having been captured out of her wilderness homeland. But Ganaba realized how valuable this lady was. He had no intentions of letting her go and implemented stringent measures, measures, measures to protect her. In the true colonial, brutish fashion of people that have money and those that don't, they forced this young wild, not young, but wild woman, into a spike-line ditch they had constructed. Thank God we've moved past the point where, you know, we don't have, like, super rich people doing whatever they want and super poor people struggling to get it by. It's very nice that we've evolved yeah, way as a society. That. Yeah, I mean, there's... How's SpaceX doing, by the way? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so sadly, this is and would mark the beginning of a long life of suffering for this wild woman. Ganama pleased with his prize possession, named her Xana. Now, another tale of her capture goes like this. Some said it was not a chance catch. Hunters familiar with an age-old technique tied her up, and when she furiously fought back, they hit her with what was described as cudgels and gagged her mouth with felt and then shackled her legs to a log. So very gentle, mm-hmm. easygoing mm-hmm. capture. Yeah. Like, probably she had, people theorized, she had probably changed hands by the time Ganaba got a hold of her. And previously she was the property of the ruling prince, D.M. Akba, who was the tribal head of the Zidane region. She passed into the possession of one of his vassals named Chaloka. And still later, she was presented to a nobleman, Mr. Ganaba. We're going to have to like pick, you know, like John Smith. Yeah, because these are like, <laughs> I have so much red on my notes. That red underline getting you. Yeah, because they're like, that's not, you can't put that many consonants together. <laughs> well, they do. If you, now, if you put that many continents together, you call it Pangea. Oh, look at now you. Now that's going. something you know. Yeah, thanks. Now, once Ganaba in this tale gets her, he shackles her, chains her, and then takes her to his estate village in Tikna on the Makva River, which is 78 kilometers from Sukumi. Yeah, that's not Japanese. But if it was, boy. We know what it is. (laughs) Now, regardless of who or how or what her people and ancestors were, Xana was most likely a very bright and intelligent young woman. She would have been horrified to be turned into a spectacle, but Ganaba could not see past the money to be made parading Xana to the world. After paying the locals a hefty price for her, he brought Xana to his home, like I said, on the Tequina estate, located, and this is going to be extremely hard to pronounce, but it's Apkhazite, on the western coast of the Black Sea. So No way that's not no way that's not wrong. No, I mean I, I, mean, you, I killed you did it. it. I killed yeah. it. So the inhumanity towards Xana was disgusting at the very least. She was not given a comfortable or humane place to sleep. At first, Ganaba lodged her in a very strong enclosure and nobody ventured in to give her food for she acted like a wild animal. It was thrown to her through the cage bars. She dug herself a hole in the ground, and slept in it for the first three years that she lived on the estate. Well, you could say, oh, well, that proves she's an animal. No, that proves she was cold and didn't want to freeze to death. Yeah. You locked me in a cage in Russia. In the winter. In the winter. I dang sure guarantee I'm digging a hole, too. But anyway, she's probably wild animal. Yeah. <laughs> now, after three years, she became tamer, which, eh. 
So he felt that. And so he moved her to a fenced-in enclosure under an awning near the house and at first tethered her by rope, but later let her loose to wander the enclosure. She could not endure warm rooms and the year-round in any weather, slept outdoors in the hole she had made under the awning, and she never went far from the place where she received her food. Villagers would come by and tease her with sticks thrust through the fence, and she would snatch them from them, bare her teeth, and howl. Her skin was black or dark gray, and her whole body was covered with reddish-black hair. The hair on her head was thick, hanging like a mane down her back. She could not speak, and over the decades that she lived with people, she did not learn a single Abkhaz word. She only made inarticulate sounds and mutterings and cries when irritated. But she reacted to her name, carried out commands given by Ganaba, and was scared when he shouted at her. And despite the fact that she was very tall, massive, and broad-shouldered with huge breastuses and buttocks, muscular arms and legs, and fingers that were longer and thicker than any human, she could splay her toes widely and move apart with her big toe. Oh, wow. That's some, yeah. some good dexterity there. From remembered descriptions given to a professor of anthropology, Boris Porshnev, and his colleague, zoologist Professor Alexander Mashkutadisev, her face was terrifying, broad, and with high cheekbones, flat nose, turned-out nostrils, muscle, muzzle-like jaws, wide mouth with large teeth, a low forehead, and eyes of a reddish tinge. Yeah, that doesn't sound very human. No. But the most frightening feature was her expression, which was purely animal and not human. Sometimes she would give a spontaneous laugh, bearing those big white teeth of her. The latter were so strong her teeth, she could easily crack walnuts and not chip a tooth. Xana's unique features rapidly earned her celebrity status. No one had seen anything like her. She was six and a half feet tall with black skin covered entirely in thick auburn fur slash hair. She also had more masculine musculature than any of the strongest men that ever came to that side of the black musculature. sea. Her strength was legendary, and she did not seem to be affected by the cold, frigid winter air, all the while sleeping outdoors. Eventually, Ganaba's attitude toward Zana softened. He decided to get rid of her cage, and being the specimen of humanity that we all know he is, she's tied to a fence. Jesus, dude, this guy's a real winner. Yeah. Now, like I said, she begins to become tamer and not have explosive outburst. And so he then gets rid of the rope, but keeps her in the enclosure. And then a couple of years later, he lets her just basically walk around the grounds. And despite that freedom, she never ran off and she stayed right there. And I think it's because she was being fed and she didn't have to forage for it. I mean, free meals, a free meal, man. Mm-hmm. Now, slowly, the people on Ganaba's estate tried to tame her. She was given clothes, but she would not wear them. She preferred instead to walk about naked, shredding every dress that was brought to her into pieces. Oh, wow. Well, maybe she was going to use them for something. Maybe so. Xana was also introduced to language, but like we said, she never learned to speak a comprehensible word. Although she knew her name and and could respond to her name, she lived for many years without showing any change, no gray hair, no falling teeth, keeping strong and fit as ever. Her athletic power was enormous. She would outrun a horse at full gallop. Oh, come on now. I've seen that. That's what I've seen. Now, that's not a full sprint for a horse, but a gallop is a tr- you know basically a trot. No, and then, a gallop is not a trot. Anyway, <laughs> she could swim across the Makva River even when it rose to violent high status. Seemingly without effort, she lifted with one hand an 80-kilo sack of flour and carried it uphill from the water mill to the village. That's 
160 to 170 pounds with one arm. She climbed trees to get fruit, and to gorge herself with grapes, she would pull down a whole vine growing around the tree. She ate whatever was offered to her, including hominy, which for those of you not in the South, that's white corn, and meat with bare hands and enormous gluttony. Okay. Just so you know, the, the horse has four basic gates. The walk, the trot, the canter, and the gallop. Okay, I'm sorry. You Google Hold it. Hold on. Let me finish. Okay. A gallop is when a horse is going as fast as it can in a steady one, two, three, four, one, only what? A gallop is when a horse is going as fast as it can in a steady pace. That's what that one, two, three, four, one means. Yeah, it's worded really weird. Okay, but okay, so I, I'll call bullshit on her outrunning a horse at full speed. But if she did, the trot is kind of a fast walk. If she did outrun a horse at full speed, that's getting it. That is um, no doubt. That she means not she here. had one horsepower. <laughs> Look at you doing the math <laughs> in your head. <laughs> well, no, if she outran it, she had more than one. Horsepower. She was one point five. Yeah, something like that. Now, she liked to lie in a cool pool side by side with buffaloes. At night, she used to roam the surrounding hills, and she would wield big sticks against dogs and on other perilous encounters with wild creatures. Hmm. She had a curious obsession with playing with stones, knocking one against another, and splitting them in half. She took swims year-round and preferred to walk naked even in the winter. She did show more tolerance toward a loincloth, and sometimes she would go into the house, but the women were so afraid of her, they would run out, even when Xana was in a gentle mood. When angry, she presented a scary sight and could even bite. Let's just buy into what she let's just buy into the rumor of what she is. Even if a calm, completely docile Sasquatch walked into my kitchen, I'm getting a Fuck out of there. <laughs> so you can't blame these women. Now, somehow, Ganaba... Unless, unless it was Harry and the Henderson. Now, he turned out all right. Yeah. But he still did a lot of damage. Yeah. They taught him how to sit, though. You remember? That was funny shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ganaba would and did have commanding control of her when she was around. Now, Xana never attacked children, but the adults were extremely afraid for their children to go anywhere near her. I don't blame them. She was trained to perform simple domestic tasks such as grinding grain to flour, bringing home firewood and water, or sacks to and from the water mill, or pull off her master's high boots. Hey, I mean, come on. Now we get into the lesser pleasing side of this story. And unfortunately, humanity is notorious for its cruelty. And in years past, even the most intelligent scholars, scientists, and anthropologists have been guilty of committing injustices against ostracized people or cultures deemed, quote, inferior to a Western norm. Can you prove that? Give me eight examples right now. I could, but it would be, <laughs> we would have to name the podcast something else. <laughs> Zanna was unlucky enough to have been the recipient of such treatment when she was not working Community leaders had taught her to do the simple chores that we had previously discussed. She was being provided with alcohol. Oh, that, you saying that's torturous? Well, out of callous curiosity and her gluttonous behavior, she would drink till comatose, almost. Um, soon she became an alcoholic, and when she was drunk, she was more easily moved. Opposite of you. <laughs> True. <laughs> and men from nearby villages would take advantage of her. Oh, that's awful. And sexually assaulted her. This would lead to her becoming pregnant. After delivering her first newborn, Xana carried it to a river and dipped it into the ice-cold waters to bathe it. The newborn, having taken after the father and lacking the thick fur that Xana had, did not survive the washing. This unfortunate thing happened again, and again, the child did not make it. When the second child passed away, a small contingent of women who were mothers and grandmothers from the community gathered to discuss what could be done. 
it was eventually decided that if Zana had any more children, they were to be taken away immediately so they would have a chance at surviving. Hold on. So that's their solution. Not to keep their not, drunken husbands away from raping hey, somebody. Yeah. Let's not let this woman get raped anymore. Didn't even come up. No. They're like, boys will be boys. But we're just going to take the kids from them. Good Lord in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Now keep in mind, Zana is delivering her own children. No, they're not even helping her? No. Jeez Louise. Well, I mean, what could they have done? Well, I don't know much about. Uh, oh, I do, and it, there's no way medicine in 1870s Russia. I well, don't know. I was going to say birthing children, but <laughs> I don't know that either. <laughs> like, I don't know what the medical advances were on the frozen tundras of Russia in the 1870s, but they could have at least gave her a blanket or something. You would think. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, this cycle of her drinking, passing out, and being assaulted would continue. She would go on to have four more children, all removed from her care. The eldest son was named Zanda, D-Z-H-A-N-D-A. The eldest daughter was named Kozanhar. The second daughter was named Gamasa. And the youngest son, Quit, who died in 1954. All had descendants of their own. I say he quit. He'll be here all week, boys. Uh, Tip your waitresses. (laughs) Now, the descendants were all scattered across Abkhazia. Best in the biz, guys. There were rumors that the father of Gamasa and Quit was, in fact, Ganaba himself. But in the census, they were put down under a different surname, and the family name became Sebekia. It is significant that Zana was buried in the family cemetery of the Ganabas and that the two youngest children of Zana were brought up by Ganaba's wife. Gamasa and Quit were both powerfully built, had dark skins, but they inherited scarcely anything from Zana's facial expression. I beg to differ. Because he has he a very low eyebrow, yeah, or he brow. He doesn't look entirely normal. No. Let's just put it that way. The complex of human features inherited from whoever the father was was dominant in them and overruled anything coming from Xana. Quit lived to be 65 or 70 and was described by... Which is in that at that time and at that place? That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That ain't bad. Now, the fellow vi- villagers would... Describe him as a little different, but <laughs> it, he had um, he was extremely strong, difficult to deal with, and quick to pick a fight. In fact, he lost his right hand after one of many fights he had had with the villagers, but his left hand suffered sufficed him to mow and do other work on a farm and even climb trees. Hmm. When old, he moved to the town of. Tuvakcheli, where he eventually <laughs> passed away and yeah. was buried at Tekina. You know what I find hilarious? Me trying to pronounce all those? Well, yeah, that, but the simple fact that you're trying to pronounce excruciatingly difficult Russian words, and I am giggling like a schoolgirl, ridiculing you. But not helping. Not, oh, God, no, not helping. <laughs> but, and it literally took me nine takes to piece together that horrible opening. And it was in plain English. <laughs> <laughs> now, aside from two rare photographs of a daughter and quit, not much is known about Xana's children except that they had uncommon strength. They were said to have lived uneventful lives, and none were born with Xana's distinct body hair. They worked, cooked, clean, and would go on to have children of their own. Some of Xana's descendants are said to be living to this day. Around 1890 is when Zana passed away. She had been living in captivity, drunk and childless for almost 20 years. Ugh, that's awful. It is, man. Now, Zana's story has fascinated many people for more than 100 years. In 2013, a professor named Brian Sykes was able to conduct tests on saliva samples said to be from six of Zana's descendants. Okay. I don't know much about science. I don't know much about science. But how do you obtain saliva samples from six different dead people? Well, no, they were descendants, so this would have been like... Well, they were alive, but still. Yeah. 
But still. You're still going to have to somehow figure out, are they... Well, that, I mean, the fact that they're alive makes it much easier. I'm mm. not going to say... I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. Makes it much easier. Yeah. But come on. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> how are you going to... How are you going to convince people that hey, probably don't have the internet? Hey, spit on this. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait it. I'll give you a dollar or a rupee or whatever they had then. Now, Sykes is a professor of human genetics at the University of Oxford and claims that his research yielded evidence that Zana's ethnic background was, quote, 100% sub-Saharan African and that she was likely a slave who had been brought to the area by the ruling Ottomans of the time. Sykes also had a chance to study and the unearthed skull of Quit, Zana's son, and was astonished to see its unusual features. Mainly, the eye sockets were much larger than regular humans, as well as, like I said, a prominent brow ridge. Now, the back of Quit's skull had another strange mark. It was it had an extra bone at its base. Oh wow! Now, the Afro ab Kazanian community from the 1750s to the 1930s, there was a article written called The Tale of Afro-Abkhazian by Mikhail Labazatsky, a historian. I, really, I think that I think you did good on that one, actually. Thank you. I made all of that up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I made it up, so of course I pronounced it right. Uh, now, in the article, this uh, guy is a historian, and he indicated that the count... Shavarsky purchased African slaves from the Arab traders during the second half of the 17th century. Over time, the former slaves settled with the Okamikara region of Abagazi. By the 19th century, the descendants of the former slaves spoke the Abkhazian language fluently and they emulated the region's attire. Labotsky alleges the communists either killed or forced the descendants of the former slaves out of the Caucasus area, as well as Adzubaya and other Afro-Abkhazian enclaves within the Okamakira region during the 1930s. If what he is alleging is true, then a genocide of this slave population had occurred. Mm, I don't think she... I mean, <sighs> Here, Here's what I'll say about if she is... 100% sub-Saharan African. Where do you think life began? Cradle of civilization. Cradle of motherfucking civilization. <laughs> so. And that doesn't go to prove or disprove anything, really, except that her people traveled from. Yeah, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to tie it into like the Neanderthal thing. I'm trying to discredit and say that the man only tested for the location. He didn't test if she was a Neanderthal or not. But here, you know what? I don't know if he did or not. I don't know if he'd come up and just tell you. All I know is that when I did my 23andMe, it came up that I had more Neanderthal in me than 70% of the population. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. You so are I, a hairy bastard. I could be part of Xana's crew, man. We could be chilling, drinking in a in a hole in a cage, cage. eating raw meat. And hominy. I mean, other than the hominy, it don't <laughs> sound too bad. <laughs> the next stage of Zana's case was taken up by attempts to find her grave and her skeleton. And here's what Boris Porshnev had said about his first effort in that direction. Quote, in September of 1964, the archaeologist V.S. Orlikin and I made our first attempt to find Zana's grave. The cemetery was wildly overgrown and, the on and only... The 10-year-old mound over Quit's grave could be picked out among the bracken covering the hillside. Nobody else had been buried since then. Zana must be somewhere nearby. We asked the old residents and the last sign of the Ganaba clan, 79-year-old Kenton. He was clear that we should dig under a pomegranate tree. What was found there turned out to be the remains of one of Zana's grandchildren who had died earlier. Am, am, am I just very confused about the origins of pomegranate? But doesn't that sound like a tropical fruit to you? How? I, I, I don't mean, know. Don't. I mean, clearly not. <laughs> but I, I thought that shit was tropical. So for the profile that we established from the skull was extraordinarily like the profiles of Xana's two living grandchildren, whom I met myself. After two more expeditions, the search party had still not found Xana's bones. 
though in a third attempt in October of 1965, they found what was probably the bones of Gamasa, which is the youngest daughter, as they present slight but definite paleoanthropic features. Oh, I nailed that one. Boom! Paleoanthropic! Let me tell you something. <laughs> you know you spell something wrong when Google's like, I don't know what the hell you're trying to say. <laughs> you want me give you the spelling? <laughs> Hold on, where's it at? No, I'm going to try again. Okay, I see. Yeah, Google didn't even give me a did you mean. <laughs> it was just like, get your drunk ass out of here. <laughs> I was like, I'm not drunk or tired. I'm, not, I'm high on Bane. <laughs> okay, so um, after the passing of Porsniff, it fell to my lot to continue the search. I headed three expeditions to Abagazia in search of Xana's skeleton in 71, 75, and 78, which merits a separate story. Our difficulty was that by the time the last sign of the Gadamba clan had passed away and nobody knew exactly where Zana's grave was, we put in a tremendous amount of archaeological work on that hillside, digging sticky, clayey earth under almost daily downpours. During the second expedition, I was taken seriously ill with an illness which doctors failed to identify. We never found a skeleton that would fit Zana's features as described by witnesses. It was then decided to exhume the skull of Quit, the youngest son, whose grave was still well indicated. It's a Mediterranean fruit, not tropical, but it's still hot down there, so it's like the same. So the, I'm wondering what's the 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 difference between the western side. No, I'm sorry, the eastern side of the Black Sea, because that's where this this lands at in pomegranate groves. It's further south. Black Sea is. I don't know. <laughs> Killing me over there with your studies, man. I had, dude. It took me five minutes to spell pomegranate. You want me to give you the etym etymology of the Black Sea too? I would love that. I would like a, I at least three references. I, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Just take my word. Okay, it was growing. It was on there. Google. All right, Wikipedia, it, sir. If it was on the internet, dude, I went true. straight to Wikipedia. So, Professor N. Borshak Abramovich. Assisted me in that digging. I brought the skull to Moscow where it was studied by two physical anthropologists, M.A. Kolodieva and M.M. Gersimova. The results of the study were reported by me at the Relict Hominoids Research Seminar and the Moscow Naturalist Society and published in a journal in 1987. I could not find such journal. Now, the anthropologist... To find journals, you got to have like that weird, uh, I can't remember. Subscription? No, what the website's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Public library. Yeah. You know, the college library is like. Yeah, because when you had to write your research paper in college, they were all like, you got to use this. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember what that's called. But anyway, anthropologist M.A. Kolodieva compared the skull of Quit with the male skulls from the region in the collection of the Moscow State University Institute of Anthropology and found that his skull was significantly different. Well, no shit. Indicating it as the Takina skull, she writes, quote, The Takina skull exhibits an original combination of modern and ancient features. The facial section of the skull is significantly larger in comparison with the men of the region. J-Store, J-S-T-O-R, that's what it was called. All the measurements... That's what you need to get your journal. ...and indices of superciliary cranial contour are greater not only than those... Well, hold on. I'm, I got to interrupt again. I'm sorry, but God love you, man. I picked this topic. And I'm just destroying you, it. You, <laughs> you did not at any point in your research text me and go, I ain't doing this shit. <laughs> I can't fucking spell. <laughs> like, I ain't doing it. Like, you can do it if you want, but I ain't doing it. I mean, I respect the hell out of that. For I mean, honest to goodness, because at some point I'd have, You'd been, have like, just been like, "I ain't doing this shit." Like, bro, like pick something from Georgia, <laughs> not the country, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All the measurements and indices of the superciliary cranial contour are greater not only than those of the mean Abkhaz series, but also than those of maximum size of some fossil skulls studied, or rather were comparable with the latter. The Takina skull approaches closest with the Neolithic Vavnigni two skulls of the fossil series. So there you go. 
he has more in common with those Neolithic people than he did with modern-day men of the area. That's there you go. Case so, closed. That's what I'm thinking. First solved case. She was in the air, though. She wasn't a Sasquatch. She wasn't an Alma. She was a Neanderthal. Now, anthropologist M.M. Gerasimova came to the following conclusion. The skull discloses a great deal of peculiarity, a certain disharmony, disequilibrium in its features, very large dimensions of facial skeleton, increased development of the contour of the skull, specifically of the non-metric features, the two foramina mentale in the lower jaw, the intrusive bones in the sagittal suture, and the Inca bone. The skull merits further extended study. So, total tangent, the sagittal suture. (laughs) (laughs) You have a tangent about the sagittal suture? That, if you go to the Nazca skulls, they supposedly have that. Interesting. Yes, that's a, that's my only tangent. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, getting back to it, was Xana human? More, how much more to it is there? Are we I, we got to be close. To, we are. Oh, okay. This is it. I'm, rap, I'm wrapping her up, like, buddy. You might hear this one again on a best of, worst of volume three. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say I picked the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I'm not blaming you, buddy. You did a great job for what I gave you, but man, it's just yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting story, don't get me wrong, but shit. Yeah, there's a lot of science in it. I mean, I even did research, and I'm lost to shit. All right, was Xana human or not? No. Yeah, that's what I say. She was not human. It, you just, I mean, there's... There's way too many things that say that she's... Well, even her son, who's part human. Okay. Here are the top three explanations for Xana. She was a surviving Neanderthal. Check. She was a runaway slave, mm, or she was a poor woman with a severe disability that was victimized by her captors. I would say part of that's wrong. I would say I would take the first one and the latter oh, part. Yeah, there's of it. no doubt that she was victimized. I mean, that's a given. We could say she was a victimized surviving Neanderthal. She was a victimized yeah. runaway slave. Yeah. She was victimized. So she was either a woman suffering from severe disability, a runaway slave, or surviving Neanderthal. We can rule out the fact that she was... The DNA test would have completely given a different... If it was a Sasquatch, it would be like, this is... This, well, I don't know. It's like they when they test those hairs, it comes back, no animal detected. Yeah, yeah, unknown or whatever. Yeah. But Now, Sykes proposed that she was a descendant of an African slave... There are could have been an enslaved Neanderthal. That's my thing. There are a number of factors that make this even less likely. The first is while her DNA supposedly indicated that she was a hundred percent African origin, he was unable to clarify which regions on the African continent her ancestors could have come from. The other thing is that nothing about her description and behavior was ever like that of an ordinary human being, slave or not, from the African continent. At six and a half feet tall, it was be possible to barely squeeze her into the human category. Her full covering of auburn body hair doesn't exclude this possibility either. It could be theorized that Xana suffered from the condition called hypertrichosis, or the Wolfman syndrome, in which a person is born with increased body hair That's, on their face, back, and legs. There has been people that, that have had that. Yeah, wolf boy. But how would that explain her strength? No one human that we know of could outrun a stallion or swim so effortlessly against the current of a raging river. Even if we suppose that Xana was very talented, it is reasonable to think that she could have also survived outside in the wintertime without clothing as a mere human. Xana seemed content to sleep in holes in the ground. The frigid weather did not affect her. The fact that she was strong enough to dig a hole in the frozen Russian ground is even more impressive. If she was human, all of these things would have been impossible. Additionally, an enslaved woman should have had at least some capability of human language, even if she had been living on her own in the wilderness for a very long time. Well, I could argue that she just chose not to. 
I think that's she's, what it was. She's being abused. She's getting the shit beat out of her and raped and all and that. And that's the way her she chose. She responded to her name. So I think she's very capable. I think she she made a conscious effort well, to say I mean, fuck you. I mean, she probably could have ripped him limb to limb too. My dog responds to his name, but he damn sure can't tell me mine. You know what I mean? Like you, Jane, me, Tarzan. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's possible, but I mean. I don't. I just. I don't think she was human. I mean, I'm, I'm sticking with that. She was. A, she was definitely abused. Yeah. And she may have had more capabilities than she let on because of the abuse. But now she might have also had. There's rumors she had tattered human clothing when she was found, but more say that she was found naked. Why wouldn't she have gratefully embraced clothes if she was 100 percent human? And she just didn't reject them. She tore them to shreds. And then you get into the disaster with her first two children. Maybe that maybe that was a learned behavior, too. Maybe so. Maybe that's what her captors did. Mm. Or, you know, yeah. maybe she was being abused way before they abused her. But going back to the human aspect, there's no... I won't say no, because you can never say never, but there's not a documented case of a new mother taking a newborn to an icy river in the Caucasus Mountains to bathe them after birth. Now, this would only have made sense if Xana had witnessed other mothers taking their offspring, which are very, very different and covered in hair, to a river to bathe them after birth. If she wasn't Almasty, then bathing in the river would have made sense. Almasty babies would have had both the fur and physiology enabling them to survive a frigid water bath. Now, Xana was able to not only endure the cold, but the sexual mistreatment and pregnancy delivery of six, at least six, child, six children that we know of. Now, this is on the other side. If she's not human, how is she able to reproduce with men that are not of her own thing? But I kind of shoot that one to pieces because... Historically, they have found Neanderthal human uh, interbreeding. So the, I don't think that's a huge thing to say, oh, she was human. She could have been half and half. She could have been three quarters. Three yeah. quarters. You mean there was something different about her. She was not 100% human, period. No, I agree. I really like what that one anthropologist said. When she said that she had that her son, youngest son's skull had more in common with a Neolithic skull than a hu present human day skull. There you go. That's all you need to know. That's an expert. And that's way beyond. That's a skull us. expert. Speaking of skulls, you got to trust them. That's what they get paid to do. That's like if you were, you know, talking about boogers. You're a booger expert. You, I'm Actually, I'm a nose hair expert. I don't like you saying booger. I'm on. <laughs> I'm it's offensive. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to take your word for it. I'm just going to. You're my booger guy. I want to be your nose hair guy, but if you I, keep saying booger. If I got a booger question, I'm going to text you. If it's a little like gray matter on the end, <laughs> that one was way up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our two cents is she was not human. She was not 100% human. She may not have been 100% Neanderthal, but she... And she was not more human than human. No. That's for sure. She is a missing link at the least if she was not 100% Neanderthal. So that's the story of Xana. So now we get into the old recommendations. You want to go first? Go ahead. Gourd head. All right. Well, mine is a... I don't think they have... They probably do. I just have not looked into it. But there is a TikTok channel called oh, The Conspiracy Bible. Here we go. And these guys you, they are dang hilarious. TikTok done got you too. They are hilarious. But they pose questions that make you think. That's what I like about their channel. They don't try to say, Hey, I was down here at the Walmart, saw this blue alien come in. He was raping this lizard purper. Uh, what? But, A lizard what? Purper. Purper? But anyway, they actually do like... Like building seven stuff. And so they leave you with All right. You know you knew exactly what to say to get my attention. You you slick bastard. Some bitch on I wasn't even paying I was looking up my record. <laughs> as soon as I said building seven, I looked straight up. Eyebrows like, peaked. I couldn't help it. His uh <laughs> his scooby senses went off. 
<laughs> I ain't got something there. But uh, but they don't they don't I mean, try to sway you. He said, "Pull it." Yeah, and he then said, it fell. Pull it, and it fell. I mean, like the guy, like the comedian says, I can say with a hundred percent, I don't believe all conspiracy theories. Mm. But you can't tell me you don't believe in any. Yeah, I'm, dude. If only people could see my reaction. I was not paying attention. I tuned you out completely. Like a damn bird dog getting sent. Them and, ears went up. That <laughs> <at> tail pointed. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, they don't they don't try to sway you one way or the other. They pose questions and ask you to do your own research, and I think that's an awesome channel on any platform. So that's my recommendation. Look them up, Conspiracy Bible on TikTok if you have it. I if you don't, have, look don't, up don't Conspiracy Bible on Instagram. While you go over yours, I'll look it up and see if they're on Instagram. All right. I don't want to recommend this. I told you about it earlier that you had to edit out. But I got to in the in the spirit of trying to answer mysteries. Yes, they do have one. This son of a bitch. Conspiracy Bible underscore. Okay. But this video just completely shits all over our theories on one of our favorite cases. But it's a great channel. I love the Missing Enigma. It's where we got the Robot Grandma case from. I do love Missing Enigma. It's re he's really good. But on October 27th, 2021, he posted a video called The Hunter Who Vanished in the Crazies, The Aaron Hedges Story. And to say that this guy did more research than we did would be the biggest understatement ever. He went so far as calling the sheriff and having several conversations with him. So if you are interested in our Aaron Hedges case, please watch that video and ju you just go, just don't 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 come back and tell us how shitty we were, okay? Compared to him, because I like donuts. <laughs> he he did a great job, so that's my recommendation. Okay, so I'm have not watched that said video, but I'm going to after we get through recording today. I, I am not not surprised that you haven't watched it. Well, Coach, you got anything else? You know I don't. Deuces.